we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 1,166 days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? Healthy and alive. Um, sore. Long weekend. Lots of manual labor. Not my favorite. Uh, but uh, kitchen plumbing is repaired. And here in the coming days, it'll be concrete to be relayed. And then, you know, redo the floor. And then we'll have a working washer and dryer and sink again. So... Here in the next, I don't know, maybe two, three weeks, we'll have all of that done. So, well, I'm, I'm glad that you're finally getting it done. This will be the last time, right? I want to say yes. I, I want to say yes so badly, but the copper lines are the same age as we've already had to replace one copper line and copper lines are, they're all the same age and they all go out about the same time. So we're, we're probably going to have to do more and lay copper line. The, the are, are, you know, change out the copper lines to um, uh, new stuff, the, the plastic or whatever. The, the catch is, though, that can all be done through the attic we don't, or through the walls. We don't have to actually uh, dig up the floors for that. So, yeah. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. Um, we did miss you at the, uh, the poker game uh, over the weekend. I would have much rather have been there playing poker than pulling up floors and all the other work that I was doing. So... Unfortunately, I didn't win, uh, and Marty didn't win either. He was actually the first to go out, which is a shame because he hates losing. He really can't stand it. <laughs> but yeah, that's the way it was. Anyhow, Tech Tuesday. So we're going to start doing these uh, every Tuesday because they're a lot of fun. And because of the craziness that's going on, we don't get a chance to talk tech. We used to talk tech a lot when we did the morning shows, and we don't do those anymore. So we like to get back to talking about some tech. So we're going to start doing these once a week. It'll just be short. It's not going to be, I mean, last week we did a, we did about an hour, but you know, we just kept going back and forth on subjects. But we're going to try and just and focus on these things a little bit because we do like to talk about things in the tech world, good and bad. Uh, it's not that everything in the tech world is bad. Uh, but how it's being used uh, and how you can protect yourself and avoid certain aspects of the tech that's out there for privacy concerns and for your own personal security. Uh, we thought we would have these discussions because as we get more technologically advanced, you're going to need to know these things. And the companies that are trying to sell you them in the name of convenience are not going to tell you about the vulnerabilities and the security concerns for yourself or your loved ones. So what do we have? What do you want to start with today, Bruce? Actually, let's start with like, God, this one is a no-brainer, 
for those like you even if you're not tech savvy but you understand what this is you should see that this is a problem right off the bat so google has decided they want to make uh new donate uh, domain names available so this is the new top level domain so this is the .com .org .net you know the the last part of your um web address they're adding ones like .dad uh, to be more, you know, designed to be more inspiring to the, the father figures and whatnot. And you got ones for like graduates or, you know, what have you for uh, .prof uh, or .prof, .phd, .esq, you know. Um, and then if you're more of a, you know, a tech enthusiast type, you know, you, you got uh, .foo, .zip, and .mov, and .nexus. Now, um, Right off the bat, you should have caught that this is going to be a web address and having a web a web address labeled as, you know, your example here dot zip might be a problem in the future or dot uh, mov, because let's say with this news coming out, someone buys up, let's say I go in and buy up example dot zip or, you know, something like that. And I, I have that domain now your web browser Let's say you're learning something about a zip file or even a mov file, and I use example.mov. You're learning those programs or how to use them. And in the tutorial, it tells you to make a uh, example.mov or .zip. And you enter that into your search bar. Congratulations, you now just visited my website, which I could have malware, I could have ransomware, I could have any number of things on there and make it look like it's a... As an example, a tutorial website that you click and, you know, and it has helpful information that click you click links on. You just downloaded uh, some malware and I now have access to your system. That's the kind of problem this uh, opens the door to. And we're moving ahead with this project. Why exactly? Well, that... <laughs> This is this is this is what's baffling. This is Google. These are these are supposed to be, you know, tech people that kind of understand possibly. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm I'm like your kind of like medium level, intermediate level tech enthusiast, you know. I I have enough to get myself in trouble uh knowledge. Um they should have caught on to this like instantly. This should have been something that was I I, I don't even I are they it just doesn't that sound, stupid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they are. <laughs> something tells me that it, that'll be the portion of the project that gets cut. It'll be something that that they start with, but then it it will change if that makes sense. So Google has a habit of creating projects and then pulling the plug on them when they fail or they don't work. I I have no idea what what. So this is. This is just them opening up. They're, they're in talks of opening this up. In fact, it's not even that they're talking to open these up. These are already available. You can already use those domains now. So as we speak, uh, well, that's the other thing. There's there's already been ones that have been uh, made available, uh, like uh, .doc, uh, D-O-C-S. Uh, that's a Word that, file. That one's... Like that's what, a weird file, why, but that's yeah, also we a even, web address. That's that's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. I, I really don't get it. All right. Well, speaking of Google, th since they're embarking on whatever that is with domain names, okay, good luck to them. I'm not going to be taking part in any of that. Google, since they announced, and we discussed this last week, they announced a Pixel Fold, which I was mildly interested in until I saw the $2,000 price tag on it. Then they announced a, a tablet, which I was, again, mildly interested in because I was shopping for a new tablet, but I ended up getting a, um, 
what I get? I got a, a Galaxy A8 just for examining PDF documents. I don't need it for anything else, so I really don't care. I deleted as much of the bloatware off there as I could. But honestly, the thing doesn't even... Like, I don't even turn Wi-Fi on. I turn Wi-Fi on if I need to, like, update an app. The one app that I use, and I use a PDF reader. But that's it. That's all it's for. It has no other purpose. I don't browse the web or, or do any of that stuff. I don't download files. I don't play games. Anything like that. I don't take photos. Hell, the cameras are covered up on it, with the exception of the back camera, because I might need to scan a document. That's what it's for. It has no other purpose. So I really didn't care. But they announced the tablets... And I was mildly interested until they said, well, it's mandatory that it comes with the Nest dock. Don't care. You lost me. I don't want that crap in my house. Now that they've announced that, they announced a, a 7A, a Pixel 7A, for whatever reason. I'm not quite sure why. Now they have leaked a video, or a video has been leaked, of a Pixel 8 Pro. This phone's a little different. This one has something that no other phone has had up to this point. This one has an infrared temperature sensor. Why on earth would we need that? Why do we need a temperature sensor? And I couldn't figure it out, but Bruce, you had a theory, or a thought rather. You said, well, we had a pandemic. Ah, it makes sense now, doesn't it? If you've got one of those, um, what was it? The COVID-worn things, you know, that was built into the Google software that you couldn't remove, then if you incorporate this temperature sensor in there too, boy, that can make for... Um, that could make for one hell of a little tattletale device, couldn't it? Oh, it could. If you're looking at your phone, and I'm not talking about with other people, I'm talking about with you. If you're looking at your phone and you're doing whatever it is you're doing, you're checking your email or you're texting somebody or you're browsing the web or looking at the useless TikTok or whatever it is that you do, that camera and that sensor are going to be looking at you. They're going to be taking your readings. And if you have an elevated temperature, well, they will for your convenience and your safety, they will send all of that information to the appropriate authorities and tell them exactly where to find you so you can be escorted to the nearest quarantine center or sent home to be put on house arrest. So you're not a threat to others. That's how I see it anyway. How do you see it? That's also so from a convenience standpoint, if we weren't in this lunacy that we are now, this dystopian world that's being created around us, uh, if we weren't in this, um, there would actually there was actually a few times within the last uh, month that I, I I could think of actually it'd have been really handy to have a built-in thermometer uh, to to do scans like that it would have been very useful but the dangers of having it now the the other concern is um, biometrics uh, as well uh, what else can this determine off of not just for pandemic reasons and them trying to use it to monitor you but also what what's other how sensitive are these sensors? What what else can it detect when it comes to this uh, uh, as well? Now, I'm I'm not interested in having that. Unfortunately, if they roll this out on that, this is what my hope is. They're going to roll it out on there. They're going to see it, it's a testing ground to see if more people buy that and are interested. I think is is what the 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 intent is. If if um, I, I should clarify. A non-malicious intent is to see if people are interested in this. Because if you look at it from a non-malicious, if this is just corporate trying to find uh, what interests people, uh, you look at the Apple uh, products, they have features on there that are very niche that uh, certain people will want that Android does not provide. And they'll buy that product 
specifically because they want that niche thing. So Android having this, and there's also kind of right now among the younger generations, Android is losing. They're, they're losing to the iPhone right now. More people are switching from an Android to an iPhone. And I, I was skimming over an oh, article oh, that was talking oh, about oh, this. Yeah, okay, please elaborate because I don't see how that's possible, but go on. So, yeah, I, I, I was I was skimming over an article that was talking about this and they, they gave a list of potential reasons that um, this this is the case. The first one is uh, that they provided is iPhone offer longer software support. Now, this is potentially possible, but you, you run into the problem of your, your phone's going to end up dying. The battery's going to die before that's even a concern about your software being out of date because an iPhone, you can't replace the battery. So and Apple, not to their credit, this is actually a, a downside that I see to Apple. It's a closed system. So there is a secure side to that. I, I understand. So you don't allow any unauthorized apps, but it's only apps that they say are OK. Also, their iMessage system, which I've used before many, many years ago when it first came out and I had an Apple device. This is back when they were like the, the craze and everybody had like the iPhone 4 and whatever it was. But that system, they say it is end to end encrypted. OK, release your source code so we can see it. No, 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 no. We can't do that. But you can trust us. Um, No, no, I'm sorry. No, I, I don't trust you. So I I don't I don't see I don't see how. And, and then on top of that, you also have the fact that they haven't really done much in terms of upgrading or even hardening their security infrastructure at Apple. That is way out of date. And if you look at a lot of these app developers, they say that that is their biggest complaint with Apple is that they have out of date security features when it comes to their users security. And they always have to wait on Apple. Every time that they push an update, it always gets sent back because this is how these these processes work, whether it's Apple or Microsoft or, or whoever you deal with to host these apps for you on, on their stores or their marketplace, you as the developer have to submit the update, the hotfix, the change, whatever it is, and then they have to approve it. So whoever's going into their app store, so Google or Apple or Microsoft or whoever, have to approve that update. And if they don't approve it, then it comes back to the developer. They then have to make all the changes that they were told to make by those companies. Then it gets sent back and it goes back and forth until it finally gets approval. Apple is always, almost always dragging their feet when it comes to updates on certain applications. So why are more people switching to this? Uh, that was also something they brought up is it's potentially because of iMessage. That because... is not secure. I'm sorry. I, no, I just no, it's I, not. But people don't care about security. People don't people aren't like us and care about security. It's very rare to talk to someone and be like, yeah, I, I mentioned to them that that's not secure. And they're, they're like, it, it didn't even cross their their thinking when they were um, looking so at is the it product. The, is I, don't, it the I don't think that's anything. Is it the cloud service that iMessage offers? So like the family of devices. So you have the iPad, the iPod, the iPhone, the iMac, the i uh, whatever, the MacBook Air and all of them. They all they all work together. And you can that chat across be, devices um, or, or what? The, 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 this one I could make, this one makes sense from an efficiency standpoint. The, this argument that they make here is that when you send a, an iMessage and it has a photo or a video or something associated with it, 
that's not part of your text messaging. That is data. When you when you send a text message with a picture, that's considered data, not a text sure. message. Yeah. So if you have a limited text messaging plan, but an unlimited data plan, well, that would that would sound pretty good to you. Yeah, that's no reason to switch devices, though. That, that's no reason to switch no. to to an to an Apple device. I mean, there are other cloud services out there that you can use. I honestly don't know nothing about iMessage. iMessage, okay, all right. iMessage to that point to to the point you just you just brought up there. iMessage does work as you say. I mean, obviously that's what it is. It works on data. But the trick is is that everyone else has to have an Apple device that you message yeah. in order to use iMessage. If they don't have an yeah. Apple device, there's no point. Yeah. And, and some of the other features, it's possible that they have other social media features to iMessage. Um, so like you can react to messages. You can, you know, with like a, a like in the sense of Facebook, you can react to a message and whatnot. And I actually, funny story, back when we... Uh, uh, moved into this place, right? A few years ago, the real estate agent, I was text messaging back and forth. And I remember I used, I think I said, all righty or something like that. And they reacted as if it was a Facebook message and, and put the little like whatever reaction or whatever. And I was just like, it was, it, it caught me off guard. And I was so baffled that you respond to a tech this, keep in mind, this is a business interaction. The response they gave was like an emoji instead of an actual worded response. It, I don't know. It just caught me off guard. It, I, I was, I was surprised by this, but the other, the other things they, they're, they're saying is, um, iPhones are more popular among you, uh, young people. That one possible. I mean, kids get into fads and they think because their buddies have it and they're left out, we got to have it too, to fit in. I mean that that's always happened in Apple society products, and will continue. Yeah, but Apple Apple products are are just they are horribly overpriced. They always have been. I, I can't think of a single time when I've looked at an Apple product or I've gone into an Apple store and I thought, yep, that's a good deal right there. They never have any sales, ever. They never have discounts on their devices. It's always the next device. And they do exactly what you said. They will push software updates to slow the phone down or cause yeah. the battery to drain faster. So you have to go out and get a new upgrade. I, I'm sorry, if you want one of these new, which one are we on now? The Mac, the 14 Max or whatever it is, Max Pro or whatever it is, that thing's like $1,500. Yeah. Like, that's just ridiculous. I think I think even 800 is highway robbery for any kind of device. I think that's ridiculous. If you look at the amount of money that's put in to these phones, I don't care which one it is. If you look at just an iPhone, for example, there's a couple of hundred dollars worth of guts in that thing. That's it. The rest of it is all markup and profit. Yeah. Not to I, mention the, the fact, other... <laughs> have you seen how they're made? Have you seen the factories of, of you know, the Foxconn factories in China? You've talked about those factories many times before. We've talked about them here. The suicide nets that they have around those yeah. things. That's what you're supporting? That's what you want to support? No, thanks. One of the other arguments that they talk about is that uh, when they were talking about the software, Apple uh, continues supporting their uh, devices longer. And they're uh, skimming over what they were saying here. You can use, uh, this is their argument. If they have an iPhone 14 Pro, they can use it for three years and then hand it off to their kid and use it for a few more years. I have a, a Galaxy S8 Plus that I am still using as my main phone. Galaxy S8 Plus released in 2017, April of 2017. I got it six months after release. I've had this phone since 2017. It's, it's almost, uh, what, six years this year? 
it, it completely debunks their argument here that they don't continue supporting their older phones. This phone is still supported. I still get updates for this phone. And the new uh, apps and everything that they release uh, in their, uh, that I want to use, they'll work on my phone. There hasn't been an app that's released that I'm interested in that I can't use because my phone's out of date. Uh, have I noticed performance issues compared to when I first got it? Yeah, it's slower. Battery life is shorter. The battery life I can fix by just replacing the battery, which you can't do in an iPhone. And the the slower speeds, well, all the providers have admitted to, yeah, we, we throttle your processor speeds because the battery uh, decays over time and you don't get the same voltages. So to prevent any kind of damage to your CPU on your phone, we reduce the uh, speeds, which is, that's a little crock. That's BS. You, you, you should, but whatever. But anyway. Yeah. That's what their arguments is, and I, I I think they're BS arguments. I think the only one on here that has any validity is maybe the younger generation having a fad. That's the only yeah, thing sure. that I could say that's that makes yeah, sense. I could see that. Yeah, I, I could see that. Moving on to service providers, AT&T, they're a little upset. They're, they're a little mad. You know, the, the telecom giant in the U.S., boy, they're, they're not happy. Elon Musk has the company Starlink, you know, where they're doing the uh, the satellite internet thing. And one of our guys here, a GP, he actually has it and he has great success with it. They're doing a deal with T-Mobile to do satellite to phone service plans, which means that would be a voice over IP call, which runs through data, not the traditional phone networks, the terrestrial phone networks. And you see, AT&T, they're a little upset about that. They say that they don't think that the satellite to phone service that T-Mobile and SpaceX uh, with Starlink are planning should be approved as it is. They formally informed the Federal Communications Commission of its opinion and a filing. So the carrier has raised concerns that the company's service in its current proposed state could interfere with existing wireless service. So you don't want it to do that, right? It, it's it's going to be bothering those, those terrestrial networks, uh, which is complete bull, I might add. They say, I'm quoting from AT&T, they say, it is paramount that operations do not jeopardize or inhibit the delivery of terrestrial wireless service. Now, I'm sure that this is just a coincidence, but AT&T, well, they're working on their own satellite service. I'm sure it's just a coincidence that they have concerns. At me being the, the kind of stickler that I am, uh, if I was the head of that federal agency, which should be shut down, by the way, if I was the head of that federal agency, I would tell AT&T then, um, okay, you want uh, you want Musk to stop his venture? Then you cease and desist your uh, investigations or or delving into using uh, similar technology. You want to stop Elon Musk's current iteration of it because it, it's going to interfere. By the way, that technology is already being used and it's not interfering with uh, cell cellular networks. Um, Starlink, same thing. It's the same. the The internet service part is using the same frequencies that the uh, smartphone would use. It's a bunch of BS. But all that to say, it's a big corporation trying to use government to, as a cudgel or, a, you know, uh, to to beat on their opponent or their, their yeah, it, this is just, no. AT&T is in a, uh, in a partnership with a company called AST Space Mobile that is a publicly traded satellite designer and manufacturer that's based in Texas in the United States. They're building a satellite constellation and space-based cellular broadband network that will allow existing unmodified smartphones to connect to the satellites in areas with coverage gaps. So you see, they're, 
they're in business with another company. I'm assuming that Musk probably tried to go to them first and they probably said, no, I don't think so. And now they're crying foul. That's my guess. I don't know that for sure. I'm just I'm just hazarding a guess here. That that sounds like that could be a pro, um, part of the problem. Or what ended up happening is Musk proposed the idea because he was talking about using his, his own cell phone. Uh, yeah, and Tesla we were speculating. Phone. What happened? Yeah, that? That we were we were spec. I think it did release, but it's not actually using the Starlink system. Uh, and there no, was speculation that you know it would it would use the Starlink, which it wasn't. So. I imagine AT&T probably seen that that this is a risk, that this might be the direction they're going. We should start working on this. And they started working on that. And now they see blood in the water or potential blood in the water, uh, if you will. And now they're trying to go on the offensive. Really, they're they're going on the offensive to try to uh, see if if one of the other bleeds. And then if they do, they're going to push, uh, you know, double down. I, I, I just don't know. I don't know how much these politicians they're going towards, bureaucrats, excuse me, the bureaucrats they're going after, how much money are they getting from AT&T? That would be the, the real question on the direction this, this goes. In the meantime, the U.S. senators, about 50 of them, have been issued satellite phones. And they've been offered demonstrations on upgraded security devices. Why are you giving satellite phones to 50 U.S. senators? That's what I want to know. You're giving satellite phones. Now, I mean, now we know where they're all going. We know now why they're not available to the average person, right? I was lucky enough. I was one of the last batches. I, I was I was part of one of the last batches to actually get one. I got mine for, I think, out the door, taxes and all, import and all the rest of it, I think... And I had to special, I had to custom order mine from the UK from a company there. And I think I got mine for $750. I think that's what I paid for it. But now that same phone, if you can get one, those are over a thousand. Easy. And I had to wait for almost two months. I was on a waiting list. You're giving them to senators. You're you're giving you're giving US senators satellite phones. The average age of a US senator is 74 years old. They don't even know how to use the damn things. What on earth oh, are you giving? Yeah, go on. It's it's not for the senator. It's for the aides. Yeah, of course it's it is. It's for the compromised individuals to that's directly right. interact with China and yeah. Russia. Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, amid growing concerns of security risks to members of Congress, more than 50 senators have been issued satellite phones for emergency communication. The devices are part of a series of new security measures being offered to the senators by the, sergeant, the Senate Sergeant at Arms, who took over shortly after the assault on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th of 2021. Oh, this is because of January 6th. You're giving communications to a bunch of people that, first of all, don't know how to use them. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing, none of these people, what what are you going to talk to them on? What are you going to talk to them about, these senators? What are you going to discuss with them? Because they don't know anything. All of these people that are up there on the Hill, they're all disconnected from reality anyway. Every time you hear one of these these people like Mitch McConnell or or Schumer, or you think they're going to give one to Feinstein? You think they're going to give one to her? What if? The whole reason they gave them satellite phones is because they know something is about to happen. There's going to be civil unrest. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, you know, give it to them early. Give it to them like a month or so early before the civil unrest begins. And it gives them direct line. You know, if if, if something like that were to happen, there would be civil unrest. What would one of the tactics uh, be to kind of curb their ability to communicate? They're going to shut the networks down. Maybe shut down the cell phone networks. Or well, the grid. Then, you, you, or the grid. Or the grid. 
if well, an EMP, that, awesome. right? If if the Chinese, mm-hmm. if our dear friends, and I say that very loosely, <laughs> very sarcastically, if our dear friends in Beijing send over another one of their balloons with a, a nice little device on the bottom of it to just say hello, right? Just hi, hi, here we are, and they knock out part of our power grid. Well. I hate to tell you this, but your phones aren't going to work if they do that. The phones themselves, if they're in, say, like a Faraday bag, they will be protected. But the phone is a brick if it doesn't have access to the tower. There's no point to it. And the towers themselves rely on grid power. And if the grid is down, the cell towers themselves, they use they, and they do have battery backups just in case there's a there's a problem as part of our you know emergencies. All throughout the West, we have battery backups on our cell systems. But that's only designed to last for, I don't know, 30 minutes, maybe two hours tops. And that's it. Once it goes down, it's down until the grid comes back. Well, it, it doesn't even matter. Let's let's assume that an EMP goes off and um, your cell phone survived. And let's assume that uh, we have enough backups that are hardened that we can get the the power back online in, you know, let's say a week. Uh, I'm being very, very generous here in, in this analogy, but that tower and all the hardware associated with that tower is fried because it is a giant, the, the wavelength of an EMP is about the size of a telephone pole. Those towers are much, much larger than a telephone pole and they'll grab the EMP uh, signal and Everything that's tied to that tower, the the receiver, everything will get polarized and it'll get cooked. It it causes EMPs cause like a, a massive in, uh, pulse of of basically a magnetic field inside of electronics, and it causes circuits to to become fried because it it shoots a jolt of electricity through there, and it's too much electricity for the electronic, if you will. It, it, it's a much higher voltage, and then bye bye electronic. That's what happens. So. If I had to speculate, I would say that they're preparing these these jokers for exactly what we prepared for, I don't know, two and a half, three years ago. That is a communications device that operates independently in its own sealed system. So, for example, you have a Faraday cage, right? Your own little box. Everything's in there. Right now, everything's in there. Satellite phone is in there. The 20,000 milliamp battery bank, it's in there, fully charged. Of course, I use it from time to time because you don't want it to go bad. You know, you drain it and recharge it. And I have a small, and when I say small, I mean about the size of uh, a sheet of paper. I have a small solar panel that can use, it has a little USB connector on the bottom of it. It's a single panel, so it's not one of the folding types. You don't want one of those because the connections will break in them. Then the whole panel is useless. A single panel with a USB connection off of it. You can charge your devices. You can charge your power banks. And most importantly, you can keep and you can operate your satellite communications device, whether that is a messenger, you know, the the little uh, Garmin messengers or a satellite phone. You can operate independently if the grid goes down and it stays down. You can still operate outside of that network without land based communications. Now you say, well, wait a minute. What happens if the grid goes down? What what happens to um, uh, to your service? This is key. You have to make sure that when you sign up for service, because you do have to pay for these services, you know, these things don't come free of charge. They are expensive. They've come down a lot in price, though, I have to say. They are affordable to the average person. Well, I don't know because of inflation now, it's hard to say, but you do need to check with the service provider. I think I use, uh, who do I use? I use Orbital Satcom or Global Telsat Communications, either one of those. Those are good. The Orbital Satcom is the US one, Global Telsat if you're in the EU. That company, based out of the UK, really good. 
I did consult with them before I took service through them. And they said, if there is some kind of a problem and the grid goes down, and by the way, that means no processing of credit cards or debit cards, no bank transactions, none whatsoever. That is done for the foreseeable future. They did assure me that if an incident like that ever happens, and I threw the worst case scenario at them because I'm just that kind of guy, they said, don't worry. We have plans that if that happens, the entire network will be opened up and no one will be charged. You will still be able to operate regardless. It won't matter. That's the kind of guarantee you need before you start taking service with someone. Basically just go into crisis scenario and that's good. That's good. So unless these people plan on taking out satellites that are, oh, I don't know, 17,000, 18,000 miles out, I think we're okay, at least for the foreseeable future. They are. Which, yeah, uh, they are. But the problem yeah. the problem with that is, is if they take out that communication system, they take out their own communication system because they use the same system. Yeah, exactly. So they may try, they may take it over, but what they'll do is they'll, it'll be, it won't be a physical attack. It'll be some, some kind of cyber attack. It'll be a taking over control of the network, basically. Uh, it would be something like that. But here's the problem. I just don't know how good. Uh, I I know they hack stuff and all. Okay, here's the problem we run into. I'm oh, sorry, these I, Russian hackers. They're so great at hacking. I was getting and ready to say that. I was getting ready to say that the Russian hackers. You, you and I were having that conversation a couple of weeks ago, and I was telling you about an incident with that. But go on. I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt you. But I, I'm laughing because of that. Yeah. So the 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 problem with with that example is now. The Russian hackers may be legitimately pretty good, that that's possible. But you're also saying that the Russian hackers were hacking government websites on the West, from the Western world, and breaching those. So either the Russian hackers are really good and our government are really good at protecting themselves, or the Russian hackers are mediocre and the Western world is garbage at protecting themselves. I kind of believe the latter. But... The, that's the issue is when you start getting into the, the satellites and taking over satellites and, and I've never heard of anyone hacking a satellite and taking it over. Never heard of it. So I, I don't know how much of a precedent or how much of a, I don't know how skilled somebody would be at doing that. It, with that said, there's also a possibility of physical docking of another satellite to uh, one of these satellites and having a takeover that way, you know, taking over the satellite using uh, another medium to basically rewrite it or something like that, that, that that's possible. Uh, but someone hacking into it, like I said, I've never heard of that happening before. I don't, I'm not really sure. I'm not sure if that's possible or not. I, I really don't know. So, uh, I, I, I imagine it is because there's a way in there. There's a way for the company to access their satellite. So there is a way in, but I don't think anyone's ever figured it out because you have to, I imagine you have to have the right radio frequency. You have to have the right passcodes. I mean, the, the the kind, it would be much more difficult to hack a satellite because there's so many other variables than it would be to hack a um, government website that's online already using the, the same uh, security measures that every other website uses in the world that these Russian hackers or whatever group uh, has already infiltrated. Uh, it, especially if you're using Microsoft as a baseline. Microsoft is so riddled with bugs and backdoors that, yeah, of course they're going to find a way in. There, there's a new backdoor found every week. 
you know, to, to kind of answer some of your questions there or, or, you know, kind of further your points. Yes, Russian hackers are very good. They're, they are very good. That's not an understatement. That's not hyperbole. They are very good. And believe it or not, our systems here, as as compromised as a lot of them are, they are better protected than, say, the Russian systems as far as like our grid and, and things like that. We do have better security measures in place. They are not perfect by any stretch. We have abandoned a lot of our initiatives to further harden our system and keep it protected from such events. For example, let's look at one of the main hubs that deal with electricity east of the Mississippi. I'm not going to say where it is, but I'll give you an idea. One of the main transformers, one of the main circuits there. If that goes offline or it suffers, let's say, some kind of damage, okay, if it goes offline, that's that's one thing, you know, so it can be easily repaired if it's just a technical fault or something. But if the unit itself is damaged, and we're talking about the electricity of millions of people, if the unit itself is damaged in any way, shape or form or is hit by an electromagnetic pulse, we keep one in the United States, we keep one in reserve. Why do we only keep one in reserve? Well... It takes almost three years to manufacture a replacement. Now, if this doesn't keep you awake at night, I don't know what will, if you're listening to us from the United States. Where do you think, Bruce, I'll ask you, where do you think the replacements come from? Well, I I know the answer to that. Uh, It's China. Yes, it is China. And do you think that the people that knock out your power grid are going to be so generous as to Mm. give you a replacement? To bring your grid back online? I don't think so. No, no, not at all. Now, to your point about Russian hackers, they are good. Again, they are good. But the problem is, is that they lack a little bit in their own security. I don't know what it is about that. It's just... That's just the way it is. I, I, I guess that's the best way I can describe it is they're just they're good at at security breaches on their opposition, but they're not so good on security measures for themselves and their own interests. Case in point, And I told you this story last week and you're already laughing. You're already shaking your head. The head of the FSB, which is the Russian State Security Services, what we used to know formally as the KGB. They just changed the sign on the office door is all they did. But another argument for another day. The head of it. okay? so the head guy, the top guy had his email account as in like his his work email account. Russian State Security Services had his email account hacked. His password was Moscow (laughs) one. <laughs> why you would why you would make your password that I don't know but his email got hacked. Okay. So his email got hacked. So he changed his password. What do you think he changed his password to? He changed it to Moscow too. His email got hacked again. And so he changed it a third time. And his email got hacked again because he changed it to Moscow 3. This is not a joke. This is actually how they deal with their security breaches. And finally, the Russian government said, okay, you need to change it to something other than Moscow 1, 2, or 3. Password 1, 2, 3, 4. I don't know. Maybe you could try it, Bruce. I don't know. But (laughs) doesn't that shock you, though? Like, that's so out of character at the same time. That one, you know, okay, just being an average person, and like I said, the the level of uh, tech knowledge that I have is, you know, intermediate. Uh, I, I know that a much better system for making passwords is you come up with a phrase that you can easily remember and you use that in in conjunction with let's say you're making a uh you know uh, god forbid but you're making a gmail account right 
And let's say the passphrase you're using is, in this case, Moscow1. You would then put an underscore after that and put Gmail or Google. Or you'd put something associated with the website that you're on to make it easy for you to remember and have the passcode uh, you know, or the phrase. You have a long password. You have uh, numbers in there. You've got uh, a special character. It makes it difficult to crack that. You know, the more letters you have, the more characters you have, the harder it is to crack. I, I just... That's like that's like the basics that's been kind of a general rule for years. And and how can someone are they just um, maybe 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 this is why maybe maybe their bureaucracy is just like ours. And we've got 70 year olds that have no idea how to properly use technology running their systems. Maybe that's the problem. They just they're just uneducated. I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for that. I was shocked when I actually read that. I thought, what? How can somebody be so good at active deception against their, their enemies and then they just neglect their own security measures like that? It's just, it's incredible. Not not one time, one time I could possibly excuse, but three times? I would have, if, if my password gets hacked, which I've had that happen before, there's been uh, websites that have gotten hacked and you know you, you, you have to reset your password. I do a completely different password, completely different. And I and, and since I've used the new system that I use, I've never gotten any kind of breach or any of those, you know, the emails that you get. Oh, we, we think our system's in breach. You know, you, you might want to. I haven't gotten any of those since I've used the new system that I use. Um, and I think uh, Google has like a I know Google, but it has a system that if you use any of their uh, like if you're using a Gmail account, they can kind of say, Okay, this is fishy. This 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 passcode is fishy with this website. It looks like it's been uh, breached. You might want to change it. Uh, they have a system that kind of helps with that. And a two factor um, authentication now. A lot of services do have so that that helps. Too. That, yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, if you're using a two factor authentication system and it's through your mobile phone phone or your email and you're not actually using like a um, authenticator, um, that's also at risk. Uh, because they can get access to your phone or your email. So just on that point, one of the best authenticators to use out there is the one that I use. Uh, it's called Aegis, A-G-E-I-S or something like that. Aegis, two-factor authenticator. It's very good because no. it has yep. a, a security feature in and of itself. It's a double layer security for the authenticator. So in order to get to the tokens, you have to get through uh, another password in order to get those tokens. So it's really good. And don't, do not use... Please do not use um, password like the the password memory programs or whatever you know like a password wallet or whatever the hell all they call are it. Terrible. Those and are it, terrible. Yeah, and it, it it stores all your passwords. Please don't do that because those systems will get hacked and then they will have access to every single password. What the password's associated with, it'll have everything. Do not use those. Use like I said, the system I said earlier. Come up with a passphrase underscore with a number the passphrase needs to have a number in there capital letter you know all that fun stuff and preferably if you can come up with one that's easy to remember that's not in the dictionary that's also beneficial to you as well underscore and then something associated with the website that's easy for you to remember the longer the better so that's just just kind of a rule of thumb makes makes it easy for you to remember the what the password 
And it also means that you can have a different password for every single website that you visit, that you create an account with or any service you make, you, you have a different passcode each time. So if something does happen and one of those get breached, they're not gonna have your password for the other ones. All right, we will go ahead and call this one done. So uh, we will be back tomorrow with Melissa from Cutting Through the Matrix. Looking forward to that conversation. Bruce, I'd like to thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone and have a great evening. Thank you.